Welcome to the Startup Launchpad Podcast. I'm your host, Carl, and in each episode, we are going to unpack key insights, expert advice, and success stories to power up your startup journey. Let's make your entrepreneurial dreams a reality. All right, great. Um, good evening, everyone. Welcome once again. Um, my name is Paula Motoembo from Startup Launch Code, and I'll be your host, sort of like, <laughs> this evening. And um, yeah, today we have a great topic. Um, we're talking about building against the wind, navigating uncertainty in 2024. And um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to a great discussion and really looking forward to the insights that our speakers would share. So I'm going to kick off by introducing our speakers. Um, I'll just tell you a bit of just their names, where they're from, and then I'll hand over to them to actually um, introduce themselves and their companies and what they do so you get a sense of who's on the call and then we'll dive into the topic for today. And I'm really looking forward to an interesting discussion. We have a great mix of people. Um, and so without further ado, I'm going to start um, introducing everyone. So first up, we have Caleb Namani. Caleb is a reporter and content writer with Nodo. So great to have you on here, Caleb. Looking forward to your insights. Um, next up, we have Yunus Ibrahim. Yunus is a venture builder at Founders Factory Africa. Great to have you on here, Yunus. Um, thirdly, we have Stephen Adeyemo. Stephen is the Chief Executive Officer at Reservation. Great to have you on, Stephen. And last but not the least, we don't have her on yet, but I think she's trying to join in. We have Temitope Senami Hudeni. Tim Dopa is the co-founder, CEO of Zoparpay. So yeah, we have a great mix of people and I'm looking forward to an interesting conversation. But let me start off by giving the speakers a chance to introduce themselves and tell you a bit more about them and what they do and their companies. And then we'll dive in for today. So Eunice, I'll start with you. Eunice, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Hi, sure. Thank you, Pearl. Hi, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. Good afternoon from wherever you've tied in from. My name is Yunus, and I currently work as a venture builder at Founders Factory Africa. So in simple terms, what my role entails involve working with idea stage or concept stage entrepreneurs looking to launch their own startups and hopefully become venture-backed someday. So I ideally work with them as an interim co-founding member to really help them flesh out their concepts and drive them towards venture backability. And after that, facilitate investment process and hopefully help them land their first check with Founders Factory Africa. So I'm really looking forward to um, sharing a bit more around my experiences and what we've seen in the market, as well as learning from um, everyone on the call as well. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. And great to have you on here. Um, Stephen, you want to go next? All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Good evening, everyone. I'm in a bit um, in a noisy environment, but I will still try to uh, make up the meeting. My name is Stephen Adeyemo, and I'm the CEO of Reservation. So I have two years experience as a product designer, building innovative products, and also um, designing solutions. So I'm building Reservation. is an, an AI prop-tech company that enable your, uh, your professionals to find verified and compatible roommates online. And they can also get to virtually using AR or VR and also split their rent seamlessly on the platform. So thank you. 
So I look forward to engaging with everybody and also sharing my experience on how I built um, why I was strapping to this moment. All right. Thank you so much. Um, Caleb. Hi, everyone. My name is Caleb Namani. I am a reporter um, currently working with Nodo. Nodo is a blockchain-focused media platform that's um, the top blockchain sites on the continent. Um, before Nodo, I worked at TechAbout. TechAbout is Africa's leading tech technology publication covering business and technology news on the continent. Um, with my experience across these two companies have equipped me with a sense of understanding of the industry, which is why I'm here today to share these insights and to um, learn from other speakers here. Really good to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. All right. Okay. So, yeah, great, everyone. Thank you so much, Eunice. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you, Stephen. Um, and thanks for joining us, um, everyone on the call. We see you and very excited for today's conversation. For those who will listen and for those on the call right now, um, I know it's going to be a great conversation. So today we're talking about building against the wind, how to navigate uncertainty in 2024. And like I said, we have really like a good mix of people. So in the venture space and founders and also um, Caleb from a writer's perspective. So um, the first question I'll throw out there is basically... And um, how has the startup landscape evolved in the last few years? And how have global events and macroeconomic factors influenced this, the startup ecosystem, especially in Africa? So there's a lot. The past, I think, four years, since like 2019, 2020, um, there has been a lot around the um, startup space. From your perspective, how do you think, how would you define the how it has evolved and how the different economic factors, global events have really influenced the ecosystem, especially in Africa. So I think I'll start from Caleb. I want to hear from his perspective and then we'll go from there. All right. <clears throat> That's a really good question, Phil. Um, yeah, like you rightly said, there's been a lot of changes across the past four, half decade, basically, in the African technology ecosystem, um, starting from, I would say, a key moment for us was 2016 when um, Y Combinator, you know, stepped foot on the, on the continent and invested in guys like Flutterwave and Paystack. Uh, at that point, there really wasn't much of an ecosystem. It was just a bunch of guys in Yaba, you know, and building stuff and um, trying to scale. Um, but three years after that, the continent recorded her first major, you know, um, funding chunk. And that was in 2019. And then that was, that was sequel to um, some guys, top guys in tech coming to Nigeria. We had um, FaceMeta CEO Zuckerberg and, you know, a bunch of interesting activities that basically shined light on the continent. And then that was around when the Africa Rising narrative also began to take shape and form in the ears of global investors and then they flooded to the continent. So 2019, we saw... Um, increased influence in the continent than, than like had never been recorded. And um, by 2020, it actually doubled. Um, it doubled by in in number of deals, but the deal count in deal count, but the amount of funds that were invested was actually less. 2021 was actually the first time that we saw you know an increase in both the number of deals and the amount of that was invested. Um, we raised about $5 billion in that year and we coined out about five unicorns 
you know, in that same year, very big year for tech in Africa. Um, then 2022 came and that's when the headwinds came on and then, you know, venture capital began to, you know, quite quietly deep across the world, affected by high, you know, high interest rates in the euro, in the dollar. That the basically the on the repercussions of COVID that happened two years ago was beginning to hit the financial system in the US. And um, be that as it may, Africa actually has the largest proportion of its funding inflow coming from the West. And so that's you know, um, Western problem in quotes becomes a, a, a global problem. And we began to see a reducing flow of funds to the continent, but it, it, it was slow to, you know, it was slow to show in Africa. Because in 2022, we actually did raise much more than we raised in 2021, you know, um, just slightly, but we were able to, uh, according to Patek figures, in 2021 raised 5 billion, but 2022, we're able to raise around $6 billion. So, which is, which was um, a significant increase. So people argue that, oh, it's happening around the world, but it's not happening in Africa. Africa is bucking the trend, and that was the narrative. But then, 2023 came, and then Africa caught up to reality, and we saw that, oh, well, money is actually not as um, fluid as as that had been in the past few years. So, I would say 2023 was, our, was the first year since 2019 that Africa, the African ecosystem actually saw the reality of what it was um, in sense of Western um, investors retreating from the ecosystem. YC was scaling back uh, mega funds where, you know, retreating and focusing on local on markets that they understood better, like the US. Um, and yeah, so it, we were left to, you know, to build for ourselves, right, and to put money, put our money where our mouth is. Thankfully, by then we already had, you know, a bunch of fat funds, micro traction, Lofty Inc. that we're actually investing in the continent. And yeah, but what what we what we saw with reduced inflow of funds was that a lot of venture backed startups could not, you know, could not scale. You know, I mean, the ethos of startups build fast, and to build fast, you need a lot of money to build fast. So when money could, when money was not flowing as it was. We began to see a um, it, be, it became a generally generally tighter market. You know, founders were you know sending more much more pitch decks than they were than that they would have sent if, you know to more investors. You know, we, we, we saw fundraisers from even Chinese investors, investors that you know that typically you know would not um, would not you know throw funds on the continent. We saw funds from the Gulf, you know, um, the Middle East. And because Western investors were retreating, but basically that whole retreating of funds and lack of funds inflow basically led to tighter market conditions on the continent. More founders had to um, reduce. There was layoffs, you know. Um, I mean, layoffs basically made the headlines. I work. I, I mean, I was working at Tech about at the time, so it was layoffs was like. I mean, a, a day you couldn't get a good story. Just you know, ask around and there's probably a layoff somewhere, right? That's the narrative of the continent. And so that continued layoff, salary cuts, um, and basically a lot of the, the, it was it was a, a tough time for the ecosystem generally, but it did do something for most for most companies. It, it created an avenue for founders to reinvent themselves. Um the famous model of you know put money were everywhere, marketing, huge marketing spends and you know Get, get a startup from zero to users to a million users in as much marketing as, as you can. You know, that, that model shifted. People started adjusting their models to, you know, aim for more profitability, unit economics. Um, everyone felt the pinch. Even Jumia 
which is started as the continent's first unicorn, they too had to scale down. So everybody basically scaled down in operations in the amount of money they were spending on marketing budget, on teams, on cutting down unnecessary roles, and basically trying to um, optimize the businesses and give investors what they want, you know, unit economies, basic economic sense of the business. And basically that's, uh, that also led to some more um, changes, which I would let some of us because we're in, we saw M&As, we saw more companies willing to merge to, to stay afloat. And we saw um, the continent generally, the investing thesis of most funds generally shifts towards profitability and um, and basically doing what, what it was to stay afloat. And like Kola, I know a prolific investor on the continent told his startup in his portfolio, but like, hey, if it's time to die, be an adult, shut that startup down. Basically, that was, that's basically the, um, a high level of view of the, of, of flow of, um, the African continent ecosystem that has been since 2019 up to now. Uh, although this year we're expecting, you know, things to go a, bit, a little bit differently, but that's, that's, that's a general picture of the, of the ecosystem over the past few years. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Caleb. I think you captured it really, really well, just like starting from the start way back when, when YC first stepped into the continent and just gave us like a very, very good um, perspective. So thanks a lot for that. And I think it's actually because you mentioned something where YC came in and funded like um, Floridwave and Paystack, I believe. And then right now, I think for the last cohort, they, are, they only took in like three companies. So it's just like reflective of what is happening and the drawback that is happening in general. But I'll come back definitely because I want to know what your thoughts are on the outlook for 2024. Um, but before we get there, I want to talk to Eunice. So Eunice, um, let's go into like you are in the VC space, you play in the VC space. I want to ask you from like an investor perspective on that space, how have invest, in your opinion, how have investor expectations and strategies shifted? And what advice do you have for startups seeking funding in this market temperature, this market environment? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, oh cool. I think um, that's really such a thoughtful one. And it's kind of intertwined with what um, the previous week I said, Caleb. So essentially, um, maybe I start a bit on the reason why this whole global microeconomic event kind of also have an effect on Africa. So I think what we saw last year was that the whole effect of VC funding slowdown did not just affect the startups, but also affected us as investors as well. So Caleb said something earlier around like the boom of the VC market on the continent right from 2016. And so unfortunately, as of 2023, a lot of funds were done deploying their fund one, and we're also going back to the market to go raise from their LPs, right? Like their fund two. And as a result, we were also caught up with all of the market downturn. So what happens is, um, I think we all understand the fact that the African continent is still young and in terms of wealth as well, like a lot of those are still limited disposable income. We have just very few family offices. So we are we have to constantly rely on the rest and a part of Asia to raise our money into funds then to deploy as well. But at that particular point in time, you know, all of the era of free money in COVID and all of that has led to large capital um, circulating in the economy. So as a result, that give it like inflationary pressures and as a result of high interest rates right from advanced economies what that simply means in basic term is that uh, 
our LPs really do not have the incentive to invest in risky, in risky assets. So it does make sense for them to invest in like safe and secure assets and they can still cash out, for example, like bonds. So it was really difficult for us as investors as well. And this is not particular to my fund, but I've got to claim anonymity. A lot of funds were really raising at that particular point in time as well. So it meant that, you know, they need to focus on getting the money in as well. I think the way this impacted us as investors was, uh, one, we needed to step back. We saw a lot of investors, a lot of investors um, took multiple steps backwards, you know, to really think about the ways we evaluate startup as well. So in the period of boom, what we saw from the startup founders in the ecosystem where people were able to raise like their first check received without even having a product or having been customers yet. So uh, as a result of the downturn, there was a shift in terms of investment strategy. So a lot of attention was based on conducting extensive due diligence so it wasn't a case of, oh, I want to build this and vibes and inshallah investing. So it was a lot of, you know, due diligence on the customers, on the markets and every single thing you claim that you add. And also um, another thing we saw as well was a decline in startup valuation. So pre-2023, um, pre a lot of investment was really like, there were a lot of speculative investments, right? So as a result, that led to like uptick in valuation. So last year, um, what we also saw as an investor was us really essentially, you know, having a rethink in valuation and also negotiating better terms with founders. So, you know, uh, if you claim that you want to raise a social valuation, so it means that your fundamentals in terms of your AIR, your revenue in the business, the number of customers you're serving, we're able to justify that. Um, also, another thing we had advised for a portfolio angle um, was also from the point of actually, you know, optimizing our portfolio support. You know, as investors, when we deploy funds, right, we do understand that some of those um, portfolio companies we are invested in are not going to um, return those funds. So we did a lot of, you know, portfolio review strategy, trying to optimize our support and, you know, just be there for founders at those trying times and to optimize their chances. I think um, finally, what we are then advising founders are on, both in 2024 and what we've been saying to them is actually two things, you know, prioritize um, profitability over growth. So a lot of things we had seen pre-2022 was really, you know, startup trying to grow at all costs, you know, Waking in high customer acquisition cost and really test off and all of the revenue from customers like the LTV wasn't justifying uh, the customer acquisition cost. So we say to founders, we say, you know what, be really open to uh, accepting down and in terms of valuation. And secondly is um, also trying as much as possible to chase profitability because the sweetest money you can get is your customers. And I think that also plays out in terms of how startup, you know, really revamped their business model. We saw a lot of that in the market, you know, trying to optimize and serve customers that are zoomed to be sticky. We saw a lot of shift from B2B to b from B2C to B2B model as well. We saw people, you know, trying trying to review um, their pricing as well, because on one side, we were fighting VC um, slowdown funding. On the other side, we were also fighting like currency um, devaluation in countries like Nigeria and other major African countries. So it was a tough year, and uh, I think we'll go deep into um, more of these points when we get to the outlook our expectations for 2024. All right. Thank you so much, Eunice. Again, very, very great points. 
um, that you um, touched on there. Um, and I do, I love that the first one you said, like um, it's making, and I think that's really just, it just speaks to the growth that, um, and this is not to precede, but this is just speaks to the growth of, of the maturity. I think that's a better word of the ecosystem and how that ecosystem is growing because moving from just like easy funding to actually back to the basics and really looking at those some of those core metrics you talked about, acquisition codes, LTV, and making sure that those things make sense, those unit metrics make sense. I think that only would improve the um, outlook of the entire ecosystem um, when the dust settles. So thanks for those great um, points. Um, now, um, Stephen, I'll come to you. And um, you're a founder yourself. And you mentioned earlier about like really bootstrapping your company and how you've grown it bootstrapping. Um, I wanted to um, find out from you, like what, from your perspective, what mindset do you think startup founders need to embrace in order to navigate and really thrive in the face of uncertainty like we're going through right now, really? And um, how does this right mindset kind of like, how would having that right mindset influence like and improve the decision-making um, for the benefit of their startup's life, really? Um, the um, survival of the startup. What are your thoughts on that? All right, I said in my own case, funding was not the... Funding was not the focus. The focus on me was to do the product in the first in the first instance. So like I didn't get fun to do the, my products and I had to take on skills myself. So all I did was I looked for friends that believe in the vision and I told them about what I'm interested in building and they came on board together. So after building with my friend, we kept to be strapping, like we built twice. We tried to use Flutter to build, it didn't work out. We tried another model, it didn't work out. But right now, we got a new model that is working out for us. So, what founders need to look out for is not, is not the fund, basically. They need to be motivated by the problem they want to solve. They need to find a problem that is big enough for them to solve. And then, they just keep solving the problem. One day, money, money, will come, come, money will come looking for them. But finding the money in the first instance is, is not going to work out because you'll be depressed. If money is the focus, as a founder at the early stage, you'll be depressed. Find people that believe in your dream, work together. You yourself as a founder tries to get on skills that you can work on your product yourself. Then keep building, build your MVP, sell to customers, then start making money. That's the goal. All right. Thank you so much, Steven. So I think you um, had some really great points there. Um, I think one thing that, um, just picking up from the things you said, number one, being able to very clearly articulate and sell your vision to others, right? I think that's important. Even if, whether you're raising or not raising, just being able to really just clearly articulate that. And the second point really is don't focus on the funding. Like don't build for something to be funded. Build, focus on the problem that you're solving because if you're actually solving a real problem and you're actually doing the work of listening to the customers and making sure that what you build actually um, solves those problems that they have, the money will come in terms of like when investors see value. Because I think I heard an, um, someone talk about this and say investor funds, they're there, they're just more strict about what they fund and who they fund and why they fund. And so I think if you focus on the problem and focus on that customer base and being sure that um, the prop, the prop, you are solving a problem for a particular target audience and there's that scale, then I think um, you wouldn't have a problem. So I th um, thank you so much for those points, um, Stephen. All right. So um, circling back, I know 
um, um, Caleb touched on it, Eunice touched on it, and I want to talk, talk about, we talked about the outlook of 2024. So guys, let me just start off, and Eunice, I'll start with you and then we'll go to um, Caleb. What, in your opinion, is the outlook of 2024? What should founders expect? What should we be looking out for? What should we brace for? You know, what are you guys' thoughts? Okay, cool. Um, I think a couple of events, to be honest, could shape um, what we'd see in 2020, 2024. So, you know, uh, we've already asserted that 2023 funding was down below 2022. I think one of the major events will be um, the global um, interest rate, to be honest, right? And in simple terms, what this means is that like inflation has been rising um, across different countries, especially from the West, where we look out to. So depending on how this plays out, that would dictate um, a lot of appetite as to whether our global investors actually return to the continent. So historically, Africa is a very risky market, and we all understand all of these things. There are a lot of battles that we have to fight. So if, um, although we've been seeing our election in the US and the UK, like a lot of dynamics are going to play out this year, and depending on how uh, the global economy reacts to that, that would dictate like the incentives for LPs to instead also bring money to Africa and consider Africa as an investable market. Like we said, like over the years, we've enjoyed a lot of this. So I think the election is one thing that could dictate like um, the inflow of funds. I think secondly, what we should look out for, I think I'm going to pick it from the point of like valuation as well. So I personally, and this is a personal opinion, I do not expect us to go back to like pre-2022, you know, all of this COVID period where they were crazy easies and, you know, um, I think tech company valuation could stay down and because like the market has not fully recovered, there's still a correction going on. So I expect that founders will be more open to, you know, negotiating valuation and VCs will be more cautious as to the sort of um, startups they back, number one, in terms of solid unit economics, prioritizing sustainable business model, and also looking to back founders that have like a strong signals. I mean, for example, like founders historically have been like, successfully built, built um, previous businesses or also clear as to their why. I think um, also what that entails is that um, we would see quite a number of things plays out. I mean, uh, in terms of devaluation, we've been seeing how a lot of startups were essentially raising bridge round. I expect that that would continue into 2024, at least up to H1, you know, raise bridge round just to quickly um, drive their business forward and to build a lot of traction that could help them get valuation that makes sense and to also extend their own way. I think when we look at the data in when we look at the data of 2023 funding, I think according to Brita Bridges, like a lot of the sectors, a lot of money went into fintech and I think that would continue. We've also been seeing how um, climate tech is coming up. I expect that that would also continue in the terms of like there have been a lot of conversation around the green economy and all of that. So I expect that we as investors will continue to look for sectors where there are clear market opportunity, where there's a clear pinpoint to solve. And founders should also, you know, 
be able to think about like how can they balance, how can they build what the customers want, especially at this time. I mean, you know, you would have to manage your own way and all of that. I think another thing I expect is that the event from China could be favorable for Africa. So in China currently, we've been seeing an increase in wage rate. So labor is essentially getting more expensive. We've been seeing Chinese GDP decline and then aging population. So this means that this means that companies um that globally people would continue to look into Africa in terms of what we can offer. And I think our biggest asset is our people that we can export to the world. So I expect people to start looking into places around like our source platform or like what exactly can Africa can we contribute to the world. I think finally it's really in terms of effects to give them for other people too. I think when you look at other African economies, we've been seeing uh, like all of these stories, like very disturbing stories around um, the Nigerian currency. We've seen how the Naira, I mean, it was at one five, even though the CBN is trying to intervene. And I do have my personal opinion, but we do expect that the fundamentals of the country is still very weak. And then this means that um, companies themselves would also begin to prioritize unit economies. Remember, you raise funding in dollars, you report in dollars as well. So I expect startups to be like more resilient, also be very clear about their target customers, right? So I think a lot of these struggles are still going to continue. I do not think our FX issues is going to like live within a short term. So I think that's something that we'll, we'll continue to struggle with. And I expect that to um, lead to a continuous uptick in m Major and accusations, just that we've been seeing a lot of people merging, you know, at least trying to sell your startup or just merge with another person other than, you know, losing everything at a go. So I would say 2024, yeah, could fare um, when you compare to 2023, it could be a bit better because I expect that founders have built a lot of resilience. Are we investors are also now a bit more clearer in terms of like, how do we support people? What exactly are we looking for? But I do not expect that everything will go back to being rosy as uh, as we've seen during the COVID era or pre-2022. All right. Thank you so much, Eunice, for that extensive, um, those extensive thoughts. Um, yeah. So let me hear Caleb's perspective as well. Caleb, please, you can go ahead. Mm, <clears throat> it's really an interesting position to be uh, in a forecast what would happen in an entire ecosystem in a new year, especially considering the you know uncertainties around the air with terms of investors and founders and you know capital deployment. Even investors are not sure what's going to happen this year. Um, but to, to give it a shot, um, what what. One thing we can always do is look at data. What is the data saying, right? Uh, we see that from last year, even though fintech held the top position as the most funded, you know, sector on the continent, which speaks, of course, to Africa's, you know, um, race to improve the financial risk for the continent. Um, we, we, we saw that according to Africa, the big deal and intelligence firm, so one in every three dollars. Investment on the continent was put in climate tech, right? Was putting um, solutions that were that were sustainable, right? So sustainable investing is going to be a major focus, and it may even begin to compete with you know fintech in terms of volume and deal count. Um, we would see more investors because at the end of the day, um, if your investment is not going to give you as much ROI. The, I mean, in terms of financial worth, then it might as well give you ROI in terms of 
you know, um, the social worth of the, of the investment, like what your how the how monies are being you know used to improve the life of regular Africans. So this is this is going to be a major focus for investors, um, and it's going to compensate the lack of sustainable returns that um, previous sectors like logistics and fintechs and the likes have provided you know investors. So they are going to capitalize on that. We're going to see much more, you know. Uh, I think in the third quarter of last year, there was there was a report that you know, um, so climate tech startups actually outperformed every other sector. But on a on a on a um, general level, when the whole twenty twenty three is looked at, then we see that it it it, it wasn't. Um, it I think it was on the second spot in the most wanted startup. So we're going to see more of that. Um, we're going to see Nigeria. Um, now this is not to really be pessimistic, but I mean, for my imagination, I, I don't see Nigeria, you know, you know, fall lower and lower on the continent's top four countries that in terms of VC flow. Um, Nigeria has historically dominated the markets as you know the um, you know the big gun in the top four, which top four comprises of South Africa, Nigeria, Egypt, and Kenya, right? Um, but Nigeria has always been on number one, number one, and then on, in some other reports, number two. Um, the last, but 2003, Nigeria dropped to the fourth position, and and, and uh, I, I see that I see the distance between the third and, and and the fourth, which will still remain Nigeria, becoming worse because at the end of the day, um, and that's basically because of the uh, uh, macro macroeconomic conditions. We have not found we we have we have no um in, investor certainty for for dollars. So people would likely pump less dollars if they cannot bring out the dollars. And the CBI is intervening trying to pay back you know forex forex debts that is that's old airlines is you know many months ago and even for some of them it dates back to years. Uh but this process when this process ends, if the CBN is able to source enough dollars to pay off these guys, what would happen in the next in the, in the medium term and that for FX them to accumulate. So investors would be wary of this to put to you know in so foreign investors right would be wary of this and then we would see that translate into lesser you know deal flow for Nigerian startups in who are, who are trying to raise in USD and and ultimately bring Nigeria you know lower in the in the top four scheme um, and of course but the commensurate increase to that would be a increase in Naira funding so we're going to see a lot of um, startups in Nigeria raising Naira we're going to see more and more of that it has already started happening we've had um, journalists like Abraham Augustine who is a senior reporter talk about you know argued make make such arguments and then we are seeing it happening more and more even Kola you know you know in, uh, advises startups to you know consider raising Naira we've had um, Balaji Balogun, Chapuhi Dem has always been a Naira advocate for, you know, um, in terms of investors. So we're going to see that uptick, definitely. And then this time around, um, fun builders are going to see the importance of raising an Naira and how and, and how it's, um, it, it brings a sense of, sense of stability to the entire business in terms of all this money I'm raising. So when you make profits in Naira, you can still report profits to your investors, um, unlike when you do so in dollars. Um, so Together with that would be a general <clears throat> now valuations, like you know, said people are, are going to see more startups, you know, raise at flat valuations. We already saw that, you know, with Kuda, which raised recently and maintained its $15 million valuation since 2021. So we are, are going to see more of that. People are going to um, raise at the same 
you know, at the same valuation that they that they raised the last round, and uh, it's going to it's basically going to continue like that until um, the environment basically shifts to to um, a more sustainable one. And we're also, but this year, I imagine we're going to have an uptick in the level of uh, investments in crypto. Um, in 2022, we had a 429% increase in the amount of crypto funding on the continent, you know, and, you know, picking at $474 million. Um, but in 2023, that was, that was, um, that the market crashed, basically. We had contributing factors like FTX shut down, um, Terra, and a bunch of, you know, um, activities that are up the entire global crypto ecosystem that translated into the continent. And then we, we, we that's when Patricia was hacked. And, you know, so basically, we saw really now this, the, the data on the amount of, you know, crypto funds on the continent is still, it's still um, hard to find because it's, it's basically hard to put together because they were, Quite a less lesser number of raises, but turns out it's going to be different. Um, thanks to regulations that are shaping up, the um, federal government recently upturned its two-year ban on crypto, and um, and the SEC is currently working with the CBN to you know establish more um, frameworks. Now they have a policy, which in my last piece for Nodo I argued that, that policy is not sustainable for the industry. Uh, you can check that out on my my profile. Um, but beyond that, uh, we are seeing that this year they're going to have more favorable policy and they'll be an uptick in the level of um, crypto crypto investment much more than it was in 2023. Um, yeah, so these are some of my predictions for 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 2024. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, we'd have to see how how it it would fundamentally depend on how um, macro forces, because Africa has always been affected by macro forces, and so the U.S. elections, what is happening in China, and basically this this year, twenty twenty four, it's a what you can almost describe as a global year of elections. So we are going to see that you know um, market forces and the pressure on the dollar affect how. Um, continent is funded this year. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, um, Caleb. And yeah, thank you, Eunice, as well. Those are some really interesting points. And like you both said, we'll just have to wait and see. But I do believe like it's going to be an interesting year. And I do, like we've seen last year and this year um, already, um, those startups that are going to thrive will thrive. And then those startups that are going to shut down well will do so but i think going back to those basics if that is um the founder's focus i think um it ups their chances of survival and so i also want to like kind of um tweak it a bit and talk to founders right so we can do like okay we've seen this ecosystem and we kind of um and i think that businesses that are able to grow in tough times can definitely um, stand the test of time, right? And so I want to talk about, okay, so there's a founder on the call or there's a founder who would hear this afterwards and really is thinking about, okay, so I'm starting this, I believe in this, um, I'm focusing on my customer, I'm focusing on building um, something that really solves a problem, um, but I don't know what to do. In Like, how do I strike a balance between taking a calculated risk or um, going for an opportunity that I see, like when is it smart and safe to like go for it? And when is it um, smart to just um, take things slow and everything? Because again, there's the disadvantages of taking things slow. And then there's also the disadvantages of moving too fast and not really keeping an eye on your funds in this kind of economic climate. So 
I'd like to hear your thoughts on it, Yunus and Yunus and Caleb. Um, it seems we lost Steven. He's having internet issues. Timmy Topper is also still having internet issues. And I see people going back and forth. So, but definitely want to hear you guys' thoughts um, just to have that as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Caleb, you can just, I know you're the last person I talk, but we can start from you and then go over to Yunus. Hi, Pearl. I lost it for a second. Uh, can you repeat the question? Please. Okay, so it's basically how, in your opinion, from what you've seen and from just looking at startups for and really just understanding the ecosystem, um, if there's a founder thinking, okay, so I understand the climate, I understand what I need to focus on, when when does it, how do I strike that balance between taking calculated risks and to grow my business in this kind of economic climate versus also playing it safe and being very, very, um, um, I don't want to say cautious, but going after opportunities. So when do I go after opportunities? And when do I just like play it safe? Like when do I make sure I'm taking calculated results? Do I just go for it? I don't know what I get. Oh, yeah. That makes more sense now. Yeah, I, I think founders building this climate would have to take a more pragmatic and phased approach to growth in this in this year. Um, pragmatic in the sense that they have to really critically consider their options um, and ask themselves hard, tough questions about um, the ideas they have in their head. They, they need to be able to run some of their um, ideas through people who have you know mentors in the industry and um, people who you know they basically speak to them um, about 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 building on the continent, they, and then they must also embrace a phased approach of growth, right? So, um, I mean, like I said earlier, the ethos for startup building is basically build fast, right? Now, that ethos might have to be, you know, adjusted for a lot of builders. In this, is a, you, you may not have to um, scale fast, but you may have to solidify certain growth steps before taking the next one. So, you have a pipeline and you want to launch uh, a bunch of things over the next quarter over the next two quarters right you may have to uh, compress your quarterly goals maybe for two quarters into one um, um, um I mean stretch rather stretch stretch um, some, of the, some, of the, some of the things you want to do in one quarter if the market was favorable you might want, might want to stretch it into two quarters so you have a sense of your of your growth and how and how the market is responding. And for us, they must really pay attention to the customers, right? You know, in Africa, we've, we've seen a lot of builders, you know, build things with their concepts of what um, what the market needs, you know, and, you know, because we have a data problem, which is also another, you know, thing that I think we should speak to on the continent. A lot of founders go out to solve problems that they identify, that they've identified in the market based on their perceptions. But there's no holistic data to prove that problem exists or exists at a scale that you can actually return profits if you were if invested in. So it's one thing to solve a problem um, for a social cause. But it's a different thing if you're going to solve that problem when you want to put in dollars on it, right? If you're going to put in money into solving a problem, then best believe that the investors want their returns back. So founders are going to have to ask themselves that this is a this they have a, is this a is this a painkiller or is it nice to have, right? A lot of nice to have will have to wait. Um, even though nice to have can actually turn out to be you know big breaks for companies and even investors, but this. this 
um, current climate will require nice to have to take a backseat really for the painkillers to um, to be explored in terms of products, iterations and launches. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Caleb. I love what you said about um, just taking a more phased approach to growth. I think that's that's a really, really good point. And just stretching and just um, focusing. I, I, th- I think I love what you just being able to stretch what you may have done in me. Um, Together, how, how about we stretch it across quarters? I think you made some really, really great points. And hopefully this helps some people just thinking about it. Um, yeah, I think even the way, and this is a side note, but even when you said um, founders, you think there's going to be an increase in um, sustainability funding in the sustainability sector. I think there'll be an increase in um, funding for those businesses who are building more sustainable brands. Like slower growth is going to be more accepted right now as long as those numbers are up so i think those are really good points um all right so Eunice, what do you have any thoughts you want to add as we're trying to wrap up yeah sure Pearl. um i think that my points my points are going to be very similar to caleb's um and i think overall i would really advise founders to be very realistic and deliberate about um why they're building their companies especially those that are just about um, to commence launching their startups. I feel like like we have seen a lot of founders that are just foiled by entrepreneurial optimism. You know, like they just want to build a startup, like with a very short term focus. I think a lot of founders really need to go back and ask themselves, like, why exactly are we doing this? Because it's a tough market now, and then they should be able to really uh, adopt and in-depth scrutiny approach and also um, build for long-term purposes. I think that um, with this in mind, I would repeat again, founders need to prioritize. If I'm to pick three things, I think one, um, the necessity of the solution or the customers need their like solving for. So one is like, is there really a clear pinpoint and clear in capital letter? Like, can you see it? Is it visible? Is, is there like, a data-driven insight that is like driving you to build this. I think that exactly needs to be there. And secondly, is they really need to ask themselves and um, about the market opportunity. Right? I think there's something Dr. Labran likes to say, which resonates with me so well. It's yeah, clearly there might be a market gap, but there might not be markets in that gap, right? Because the markets being in the gap essentially is what differentiates a startup from an NGO or a social impact business. I think secondly as well. Founders need to be realistic about like the feasibility of their business model, right? Are there clear indication of scale, like the revenue streams? Are we currently make money now? Are there like is this sound enough, right? So, for example, you cannot tell me that you want to start charging people something very exorbitant when you understand the realities of the economies. I think the third thing really is um, the workability of whatever you're building alongside with the team that you put together. Uh, I think those three things really need to be at the core of all um, startup founders. I think another point I also want to transition into is really like there are other ways you can raise money, right? Beyond VC funding. When unsure, you might want to test out grants, you know, check other financing opportunities. I think something we saw last year was really an uptick in 
um, debt funding, which has never happened before. So we saw a lot of startups, especially those in lending space, try to explore debt funding or alternative means. I think founders really need to look beyond VC and try to check, are there like three fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollars that I can take care of from this particular accelerator without diluting my business too much? And that helps me to, you know, be able to test and validate whatever assumptions I'm trying to. And that way, I'm not committing too much or giving away my company. I think in terms of funding, to be honest, the money is a, the money are there. Um, example, we've seen a lot of VCs, like Founders Factory Africa, for example, we closed our fund. Like a couple of VCs as well have announced fundraising. So I expect that that's going to lead to an uptick in pre-seed and seed funding. However, that money is not for everyone because investors are now very strict as regarding what they want to see. Sound unit economics. Are you building businesses with a camel um, mindset? Are you building sustainable businesses? So I think they really need to explore alternative options. And something we recently started as a result of everything we've learned in the market so far at Founders Factory Africa is our GenF initiative. So we've noticed that building um, from the ground up is very difficult. And also, you know, the realities of living in this part of the world, right? You know, you are very unsure as to whether to quit your jobs, things are tough, the economic realities and all. So you can test out other opportunities like Gen F, where three months you're not committing anything other than your time and your idea to check whether that would work and also get support from the team, you know, get grants up to $5,000 or $14,000 to test whatever you want to test, right? So really, I think a lot of founders really need to now open their mind beyond VC. Where else can I get money? Angel, family, and friend round, and other things to validate what they want to validate, whether it would work before committing a lot of their time. I think this last point should really resonate with, you know, uh, people trying to build businesses, early stage founders, especially those at the precede stage before committing at that time and energy. The money is there. It's a tough market, but now everyone is focused on only investing in sound businesses that they see upside in. Thank you so much, Eunice, for those points. Thank you so, so much. And thank you also, Caleb. I know that there are some, so many things that you said, um, just giving perspective to people and also um, letting people know, like, all, all is not doom and gloom, but this is what they need to focus on. And if it's sometimes it's better, like, when you know how things are going or you have an idea of, okay, you are able to take um, better decisions. So thanks for the um, what you shared today. And while kind of wrapping up, but I do want to get, um, last word from both of you in terms of um, just any last words in terms of advice to founders, advice to would-be founders that are on the call or would listen. Um, what are some just some things that they should really um, focus on in terms of like mindset um, to really um, just approach this uncertainty and um, what qualities they should just like look for on their team and have themselves yeah, any last words regarding that? So, Yunus, you could start off and then Caleb would, um, can wrap it up. Okay, cool. In fact, I was asking myself, I was muted, whether or not I have exhausted my last words, <laughs> to be honest. So, I think um, advice I will give founders is that yeah, there are a lot of problems that still need to be solved and I'm still going to tie this back to the why 
right? We all know that entrepreneurship is crazy. I think founders really need to understand like why they want to build a startup and need to be flexible enough as to when, you know, what they are working on is working, you know, when to pivot, we saw a couple of pivots as well, be able to take learnings. I think secondly, founders really need to be intentional about what they are looking for and in terms of their target for the next maybe 12 months and work towards it. Really, which speaks to building businesses sustainably and not but like just focusing on growth alone because now the realities have changed, especially for early stage founders, which is where I see it. I see a lot of mistakes, so to speak, or red flag in terms of, um, you know, the team they are bringing together, people with similar experiences, like really mapping out what you need in your startup and be very realistic to drive into that. I think overall and the most important is we really founders should focus on solving um a clear pain point from a point of really building businesses with strong fundamentals and um businesses that are sustainable businesses that you know uh, you see a clear path to exit and uh, like because things are difficult guys <laughs> i look at founders and i'm like maybe you know if I were found that maybe I wouldn't be building anything at this point because this time are tough. And I think it's really the motivation around like why exactly you're building this would continue to drive you amidst all of the uncertainties. And I would also say to founders to prioritize their mental health, right? I mean, all of these events that we've mentioned, they are really tough times, but above all, you still have to prioritize yourself and really strike a balance between mental and physical wellness, even while building their startups. Thank you so much, Yunus. Thank you so much for those points. Um, Caleb? Yeah, great points, Yunus. <clears throat> Especially the mental health part. Trust me, it's really going to be really important. Um, I, I I think Yunus has said most of what, most of what I, I would have said as my last point. But I think what, a few things I'd add to that would be for um, founders to um, do what it takes to raise debt this year, right? Um, raising debt is never easy, um, especially if you don't have a track record that would convince investors that you'll be able to pay back the money. But um, if there are ways you could raise debt, so raise debt instead of, you know, um, selling equity. So basically, I think the way, just summarizing everything that was shared um, today, I think it's been a great discussion and it's definitely hard, harder times. It's definitely not so easy it's definitely these um, times are definitely knocking off those who are um, looking to build in order f- for a lifestyle or for other um, reasons apart from actually solving a problem. But I think if you are from everything everybody has said, from the um, landscape, ecosystem, temperature, from the VC side, from the founder side, um, I think if you are really, if you really keep committed you have a real problem that you're solving and um, you really keep committed to the goal of solving that problem, have your customers, your cool, your core customers are um, focused on solving those problems. Um, unit m- metrics, try to stretch your runway and try to um, see how far you can go. I think that you'll be surprised at how 2024 is a great year for you. All right. Um, so I see Caleb is back. Yeah. So we're talking about debt funding and how you sh- people should increase. So go ahead and then we'll wrap it up. Oh, yeah. So um, founders should prioritize, you know, raising in debt because not a lot of investors will want your equity. And if they do get an equity, they're going to get it at 
um, at values that would not be favorable for you in the long term. So if you can, if you can, you know, raise that. I mean, not necessarily institutional, from friends, from uh, developmental um, institutions, but not necessarily from um, um, investors. Um, yeah, then adapt trends. That's another important thing I would say. Um, adapt to tech trends. Look at what's happening around you and shift. Um, there's always a... Um, yeah, I mean, AI, for example, is a technology that can be applied in one way or the other to any form of businesses that's happening on the continent. Um, if you are a lender, you can use AI to, you know, um, create better, you know, um, schemes for distributing credit. Um, where, basically, whatever you do, logistics, you know, for mapping and, you know, um, streamlining processes. So I think investors, you know, in trying to, you know, live up to the AI hype would pay um, more Startup, startup founders' mind if they had that catch to their to their portfolio. Now, this is not um, stretching, you know, the AI chart to unreasonable bounds. But if you can implement that technology in some of your processes, it would help your, you know, fundraising processes. Um, learn from customers. Stick to your customers. Learn, listen to them every day. Get feedback and you know iterate your products. Um, be a critic of your of your work and always connect what you are building to a bigger goal. So if you are building fintech. You know, let 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 the bigger vision be an Africa that has a better financial risk. Connect what whatever you're building, that small problem you're trying to solve to a bigger, more meaningful purpose that will drive you in a time like this. So that that, that would be uh, my final point. All right, thank you so much, Caleb. Thank you, Eunice, and then to Temi Tokbe that wasn't able to join. <laughs> Twitter just wasn't friendly today. Thank you, and then also to Steven. Steven was here, and then he got kicked out and wasn't able to join. But thank you to all our speakers and thank you to everyone who has listened. I hope today was really, really valuable um, for you. I hope you got one, two, three things. Be sure to connect with the speakers. And one thing we always like to do is we like to always get feedback on these sessions. So definitely, I know we have something um, pinned up on top to give feedback. Please definitely give us feedback on the session today so we'll make it better. We have these conversations every two weeks. And um, yeah, so we'll see you in two weeks again. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you again, Eunice. Thank you, Caleb, for just holding down the fort and sharing with us today. Everyone have a great rest of your Thursday and we'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to our podcast. If you found value in today's episode, you can find more at gotlaunchpad.com. Stay inspired, stay innovative and keep building those dreams. Until next time. Bye.